Welcome to Hustle and Pro Season 2, talking sports in Frisco from youth to pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. We welcome Georgia McKee to the show. She's just started her senior year of college where she plays Bruins softball at Belmont University. Hello and welcome to Hustle and Pro, Georgia. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So I want to start with a few quick hits to sort of get to know you and your sports life a little bit better. Who's your favorite athlete? I'd have to say Abby Wambach. What's your favorite sport to watch? We know you're a softball player, but if you're just sitting down to watch sports or go to watch sports, what is it that you're watching? Hockey. I love watching hockey. I'm a Nashville Predators fan. Oh, okay. Oh, because you are in Nashville now. You live in Nashville now. Right. What's your favorite sports movie? Uh, does the Sandlot count? For sure. Yeah, I love those little guys. Okay, do you have any sports superstitions? Yeah, every game day, I put my uniform on the exact same way. And so it's like left sock, right sock, every time, like everything goes on the same time, even my cleats. All right, so let's rewind a little bit. So before college softball, even before Wakeland softball, what sports, what did sports look like for you as a kid? How many sports did you play and for how long? Like how far into your life? Yeah, I played a lot of sports at Griffin Middle School when I went there. So I played volleyball, soccer. I was a goalie there. That was my only year of soccer, seventh grade. I was done after that. Um, and basketball. So I played a lot in middle school. But then once I got to high school, I just focused on softball. I'm fascinated by catchers, so I'm going to ask you a couple things about catching. One thing I wanted to know, which you mentioned, was at what age did you commit to full-time catching? Because I know in Little League, like the Little League my kids played in, um, it's hard. If there's not a kid that really wants to do it, it's hard to then identify who has the right skill or body type or whatever it is that um, you need on that team to play. And so you get to an age where a full-time catcher can make or break your team. So at what age did you kind of commit to being that player? It wasn't really until my freshman year of high school, which is actually pretty late to start catching. Um, I was a third baseman, played some middle infield, and my team just needed a catcher one tournament. I think we were in California and both of our catchers, like one got a broken nose and I forgot what, like, what happened to the other one, but they were like, Georgia, like, you want to do it? And I said, sure. And so that's just how I fell in love with catching is I was just thrown in there and I watched YouTube videos of baseball and softball catchers and learned how to do it really quickly. Oh my gosh. So do you, so, so then you've been catching, you caught four years in high school and now you're going into your fourth. So you've done three seasons of college. So mm-hmm. as a catcher. Do you talk to the batters? <laughs> I don't. Not at times. Like if I know them, if like I know some of the girls in our conference or like every time we play Ole Miss, I have a couple of teammates that I used to play with um, that go there. And so I'll talk to them then. But usually we're pretty locked in and I don't want to be like that annoying girl that's like trying to distract you. I just like to play the game how it is. So you're not trying to get in anybody's head or play any mind games. No, I think that's more of a baseball thing. I think we just kind of like to stick to the plan. I'm really focused on my pitcher at the time um, and making sure we're on the same page and we communicate a lot. And so that's really what I mainly focus on. Yeah. So let's talk about communicating. I'm also fascinated. One of the things is signals and how you communicate. So um, do you hang out with your pitchers outside of normal softball world? And how many signals do you have? 
and you know, what, how do you guys communicate and in, in, during innings? Yeah. One of our pitchers is my roommate. And so we spend a lot of time together um, outside of softball. I mean, all my pitchers, I try to spend a lot of time with just so we can make that connection and make that relationship. Cause that's really important to have on and off the field. Um, signs wise, we have a lot. Um, sometimes it depends on also your coaching staff and I've had, I'm going on to my third coaching staff in my four years of playing. So it's changed just about every year of wow. signs. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a wild ride. Um, but sometimes we'll have, um, like 50 signs on our arm that we have like armbands. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes coach will call out like these, um, like a list of numbers and that will tell the entire team what pitch is about to be called so that everyone can be ready. Um, depending on like the location speed, it affects the whole team, how our defense is set up. So every time you get a coaching change, your signs all change and you have to kind of relearn your playbook. Yeah. Yeah, you too. That's a lot. It's been a lot, but hopefully fourth year, best year, third head coach, best head coach. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. My last catcher related question, I guess. So as a, I think throwing a runner out is like one of the most exciting kind of, you know, defensive plays you can watch and be a part of too. So uh, talk to me about that. Uh, That's the best feeling. Just the adrenaline, just knowing there's a really fast girl on first and having to set up and like get your mind ready to throw someone out, especially if you know that she has like all conference honors for being, for stealing bases or if she's one of the fastest people um in the NCAA like like it's just so exciting to either want to pick her off or throw her out and we do um pre-game I guess an evaluation of the team that we're playing before every game before every tournament so we know who we're dealing with we know what they're known for we know their playbook basically is what we want to do before every single game we play and so I usually keep a list in my head of who are the fastest girls on the team, like how many stolen bases they have, um, if they leave early. And so I pretty much know who's going to steal or who's going to at least try to attempt. What's your um, favorite or best base that you're going to get somebody thrown out at? Um, I mean, second. Second is the most common, especially in softball where the bases are closer together. Not many people steal third. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't get big leadoffs at first when you get to the divisional one level. So the most I get out is at second. At Wakeland, so at high school level, you I was looking at some stats and you put up some, you know, better than average stats, of course. Um, obviously, you went on to play in, in college. So, but how has your game changed and your maybe your role changed as you've now played at the college level? I mean, it's changed a lot. Like you grow up, like I grew up in Frisco and was one of the best players in the DFW area and was told that my entire life. And then you go to college, you go play division one ball. And it's like, everyone was the best player either in uh, their city or their entire state. Um, And so it's just, everything changes when you go play in college, which is a good thing. And it really pushed me to be better and to accept my role as different. Like I'm not necessarily the best player on my team right now. And it's because I went to a school where everyone was really, really good. Um, and so that's been really fun to navigate and figure out who I am as a person, why I like to play, um, other than just wanting all of the attention like I got in high school. Yeah, I mean, so for example, you got on base, like your on-base percentage was really high in high school. Had you, has it been hard? Like, to, do you get to college and realize 
you might have to, I don't know, change your hitting style or ever sacrifice your at bat for the greater good of the team or just change kind of, like you said, some of the notoriety you might've gotten. Has it been sort of humbling to change that role a little? Yeah, for sure. I mean, also, again, with having so many different coaching staffs, my swing has changed just about every year in college, which has been really hard for me. And so having to find ways to still have quality at bats to help my team out. So like I bunt the ball a lot. I hit sacrifice pop flies a lot. And that helps my other teammates get in scoring position or helps them score. Whereas in high school, I just hit home runs and I hit gap to gap all the time. And so my role yeah, has completely changed in college, but we, I don't really pay attention to stats. Our team, we're really good about not paying attention to stats because at the end of the day, it just matters what we can do as a collective team. Whereas I think in high school, it's more concerned about myself. Sure. Yeah. Is that, I wondered if you or, or your family ever kind of expected that. I mean, I wouldn't expect somebody that's hitting home runs in high school to three or four years later say, okay, I bunt a lot or, you know, change your swing that much. I mean, I kind of had an idea that it would happen after I talked to some other players that went to go play Division One. Um, so I kind of expected it, but also, of course, I expected a lot of myself, and I kind of came in thinking I was all that and was going to do great, and then, yeah, just battled a lot mentally, and I figured it out, and I know my role on the team. Good. So we're all good. Yeah, I mean, that's part of getting better and just changing and being growing as a player. Was it ever, like, to a point where you questioned yourself? Like, did you have a bad season or two in college ever where you were like, Am I, should I be here? No, I don't think that ever happened with me. Also, I have a really bad back injury, and I've been battling it um, since even before college. And so I knew that I'd have problems in college. Like, there was one season where I wasn't even able to catch a full game the entire season just because um, my back issues were so bad and they would lock up and I just wouldn't be able to move. Was it a back injury from sports? Yes and no. I think it was how quickly I started catching and how I kind of just taught myself and figured it out on my own, which was good. But I think I just put a lot of pressure on my body Mm -hmm. when I was so young in high school. Um, Didn't take care of my body very well. I did CrossFit for like six months and I've always been really strong. And so I think I just really started lifting weights too early. Didn't really have a good coach to help me lift weights and know how to lift weights properly and so I I threw it back a long time ago yeah technique you know if you are jumping in or even trying to self-teach or something self-teach yourself something like that technique can probably make or break your body you can get by and, and and like look good or you know do the actual job of catching well but it could be hurting you right in the long run Catching is brutal on your body. I always, I mean, that's one reason and kind of like goalie, like you said at the beginning, I mean, you're, it's not only a lot of the most pressure on the field, obviously, because it short shows so much on the scoreboard, but it is the toughest on your body. I think that's why there's so much hesitation on young athletes to choose those positions. It takes a certain kind of personality to step up early and want to go take that, that punishment on their body. Right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right, tell me about your major at Belmont um, and what your goals are after you're finishing up this this school year. Yeah, so I'm a faith and social justice major, which isn't a major you hear too often. So I said a lot about religion and politics, the intersection of both, um, how to be a person of faith that interact with the world and what scripture says about interacting with the world around us. 
Um, so hopefully after this year, I'm not going to take my fifth year because the NCAA gave us a fifth year of eligibility because of um, Corona. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, but I think I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. That's the plan if I get in and I get my master's of divinity and my master's of community development and action. Master's in divinity mm-hmm. and master's of community development and action. Is that what you said? Yes. Community development and action. Okay. So this brings me to a Twitter post I saw. This is how I like wanted to talk to you. So did you recently, what did you recently do with the Frisco Police Department? For sure. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a person that engages with my community. And Frisco means so much to me that when everything was happening with George Floyd and when the whole country was starting to erupt, I was like, I want Frisco to be like, I want me and my community to be involved in this. It didn't make sense for me to go to Dallas to the protest because that's not my community. Frisco is. And so the Saturday night before the, or the Sunday night before the protest happened, I randomly texted some friends and was like, Hey, was just going to go like peacefully be on the side of a road with a sign. Would anyone want to join me? And one person responded. And so we went and made signs. We thought it would just be the two of us. We were like, let's throw it out on Twitter and see if anyone else wants to come. And less than 24 hours later, we had over 4,000 people show up. 4,000 people. That is crazy in 24 hours. Was the one person who responded our mutual friend who I think it was, or did he come in later? Um, No, later. Okay. Okay. Um, Because our- Wait, Daniel? Yeah, Daniel. So, because Daniel's been on this podcast too, and um, we mostly were talking about his basketball career and everything, but but I know that he eventually ended up being a part of that with you, correct? Yeah, so I think it was later that night, I was with Sydney, the my friend that wanted to do the protest with me. Okay. And I saw that Daniel had been to the Dallas protest, and so I was like, maybe he'd be interested in joining us. So I like shot him a text and was like, hey, we're going to do this. Um, would love if you could join. He ended up like, getting involved. He was like, do you need help with anything? And then once it started blowing up on Twitter, I was like, actually, yes. Like, can you help me beat this? Like, I really like don't know what I'm doing. Like I've never organized a 4,000 person protest before. And so he jumped in and just helped me take over and was phenomenal the whole time. Yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. The whole thing was the, just as kind of a spectator watching it unfold, I didn't know either of you before that, watching it unfold on social media was exciting and scary and everything all at once. There was so much pushback, um, of course, coupled with the coronavirus issues of the risk of spread, it gave people more fuel to be worried about it. Um, I think there would have been a lot of worry anyway, but it was, you know, it seemed like a risk at the time, which you didn't do it for any of that. You were doing it for the, all the right reasons, but you probably got some, you know, a lot of pushback. It was probably scary at the beginning, right? Yeah, I got a lot of pushback, especially when people found out that I was the one that organized it. They were texting my mom. They were texting me. Um, people started rumors on Twitter about these bricks, whenever those bricks have been there forever. So we got the police department involved the fire department involved and they worked with us the entire time and so I was confident that everything was going to be okay like I know I know this city I knew everything was going to be peaceful that it was going to be a good family atmosphere yeah Um, and it definitely was it turned out amazing and people still talk about it and they will for a long time Um, a good show for our community to to get together and show what what they want to be like Um, it's not always perfect here we've seen 
you know, flashes of the other side sometimes lately too, which is really sad um, and frustrating, but, but man, props to you for having the idea and reaching out to people and taking action and making it happen. I think you started something really important here. Okay. So tell me also Thanks. about what you've recently done with the Frisco PD this August. Yeah. The other day I have um, become good friends with the assistant um, chief over at Frisco PD. And so him and I have become buddies and he set me up to do a ride along with some of his officers. And so I got to ride along all night, um, all night long with a couple officers and they just showed me what they did we pulled people over and I really just wanted to hear their perspective and get to know them as people because I know like right now they're receiving a lot of hate mm -hmm. um, and I've always had a good perspective of Frisco PD and they worked with us on the protests and so I just kind of wanted to go see like what was up with them and wanted to get to know their story they got involved in the police department and it was an incredible experience like they are some of the best people I've ever met that's great. I agree with that. I've gotten to do a little bit. Nothing as cool as a ride along like that um, with our police department and community activities. And I'm always uh, pleasantly surprised at, at the, you know, the support that community gives them and that they give us and that they want to be a part of us in our community and, and um, all for the right reasons. So I bet that was interesting um, to you as somebody who's studying, let's see, faith and social justice. So somebody who's, you know, sitting in class and listening to lectures and then getting to sit in a police car and see it in action. Did you come across anything that surprised you or, you know, were you taking notes and mentally taking notes about what you're seeing and things that you came across while you were in the, in the ride along? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was, uh, they showed me also around the department, um, got to go into the jail. And so I was, um, of course, looking at all of that, and then I really just wanted to hear their stories, and they were telling me how them as a department, for the most part, completely support the protests, completely support protests, stand with Black Lives Matter, um, but the media doesn't portray that, and a lot of departments don't portray that as well. That's also something that I learned is how different the Frisco Police Department is from other police departments, how good their training is, and their leadership is phenomenal where you don't see that across the country. And so it just comes to show that some bad apples don't define all, don't define all of them. We also looked at a bunch of body cam videos. And so um, they had me, the Frisco police officers had me look at body cam videos and watch clips of the media. And so I really got to learn of how to see the full story, how to understand that there's always more to the story. And so that was a really good experience for me. That is, oh, I bet that's really interesting. There's mm -hmm. always two sides, right? I mean, in a, in a moment, heated moment like that, everybody remembers things differently. I personally wouldn't be able to remember details and things. And so I think that it's good that body cams exist um, to tell a different angle of this story and um, protect everybody involved too. Well, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I think that's cool that you got to, to experience that. And um, so I hope that you, so Vanderbilt is your next, step, right? Yeah, I sure hope so. Well, I hope you get into Vanderbilt and go get to study community development in action. I hope that you make your way back to Frisco and, and keep building our community strong here. I'm sure after you've been to these other parts of the country, you might want to explore that and live somewhere else. But 
but I appreciate all that you're doing to when you come home here in Frisco and help our community out. And I appreciate your time. I was excited to talk to you. So people that listen to this know I'm a softball fan. I still play a little bit of old lady softball, um, I call it, but played softball almost my whole life. My dad was my coach, played with my sister. Um, then we played for fun in college. We didn't, we were not good enough to play in college. And uh, we played for fun in college together. Actually, we played on the same team as my now husband. And okay. it never really stopped. So now I still play with my friends. Um, so I love softball. So you're getting to live out what I didn't get to do. So enjoy your senior year. I pray that you get to have a great season and finish your year there in Nashville. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Hustle & Pro. Subscribe however you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye.